Hey everyone and welcome back Rumcasters. It's another episode of the Rumcast coming at you and uh, tis the season to be jolly as they say. Um, it's been a long year and uh, it's been a, a, an interesting year but uh, we're all happy to, to see it through in December. Will, um, how's, uh, how's it going over there and how's your December so far? I'm good. I'm hoping that with that intro, you're going to throw in like some sleigh bells or something kind of like jingling in the background. I think I was that was already on it, man. I was maybe like a, the samples. Yeah. a distant ho 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 from Santa, you know, <laughs> that would be great. Um, I'm, I'm doing great. It's a beautiful Saturday here in Nashville. Sunny skies, temperatures nice. in the 50s. Wow. Perfect day to put on a sweatshirt, go for a walk as I did earlier. But uh, it's also the perfect day to enjoy uh rum themed gifts given to you by loved ones as i have been doing um i'm lucky to have a very cool mother-in-law my wife's mother megan uh, gifted me a rum advent calendar which is one of those things that as a rum fan you know i'd seen people post about them in previous years around the holiday season and always been like oh i bet that would be fun and yeah. uh but you know i i probably wasn't going to go out and get one myself and right. uh you know there was a, a knock at the door the other day and a package left behind and lo and behold it was a rum advent calendar sent <laughs> from my mother-in-law so shout out to her for doing that and i've been going it's it's really fun because it's not like every single sample that's included in it mm-hmm. is something that is just you know knocking me off my socks right uh there there is some good stuff in there but it's fun as just kind of an exercise it's a way to encounter rums that i haven't had in several years that i'm not likely to buy again and it's kind of fun to revisit them and you know just see you know what stands out to me about them now versus maybe when i had them a long time ago so well, how how big is it? How because I've seen there's different. There's like twelve advent calendars. There's twenty four. It's twenty. It's twenty five or twenty four. Whichever one Got is it. like the common for advent calendars. So <laughs> it's been. Yeah. I love. I loved having. You know, when I was a kid, I had the chocolate advent calendars, and I absolutely Same. loved yeah. having those. But I I don't remember the traditional number of days. But it's it's either twenty four or twenty five. And it's been really fun working my way through that. And, you know, you know me, I don't typically do a lot of like ratings and stuff like that. Um, Like I like to compare stuff, um, Mm -hmm. but I I don't like, you know, do a scoring system or anything like that. But I have decided that as I go through this calendar, I'm doing kind of a power rankings of just, you know, as I try these different samples, I'm going to just rearrange them in order based on enjoyment and see what I'm left with at the end of it. And, uh, you know, maybe when I get to the end, we can run through that at some point. But uh, so that's been what, you know, what I've been doing over here. Uh, What about you? Are you are you kind of getting in the holiday spirit, making lists of gifts to give to your loved ones? Where where are you right now? And, And checking them twice. Yes. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So, I I mean, we just uh, just started getting our holiday decorations out and uh, been talking to Melissa about the advent calendar after you sent me the picture, Uh, my wife, Melissa. And um, there I'm I'm told there may be something also uh, coming my way for an advent. uh, But I think it's like the 12 days of rum type of deal, which is why I asked you that. I was wondering if you're going to be in a scenario where you're going to be like pounding two samples a day to try to like play (laughs) play advent catch up. Uh, which would be kind of fun. I actually started mine a little bit early just because I I try not to have 
alcohol every single day of the week yeah, yeah, um, yeah. i tried to spread it out a little bit and so i didn't want to have to 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 have something 20 24 25 days in a row so i started a right. little bit early to give myself a buffer i'll also probably have some days where i had like two samples you know yeah um, yeah but uh yeah so i'm doing like a non-traditional advent approach trying trying to be health conscious as i as i go through this yeah you could still open a a door on the calendar each day and see what oh, it yeah. is and not have to necessarily sample it and i totally day. do that yeah <laughs> i totally do that i as soon as i finish one i open the next one just to see what the yeah. what the next sample is going to be so yeah yeah so so you mentioned you know what other kind of rum gifts and things and i, I was thinking about that and i was thinking about what what are good things you know melissa had asked me what are things that i'm looking for maybe that might be cool and helpful rum related stuff and right. um, i think we all get those questions if, if yes if you're a big enough rum fan to where everyone knows that you love rum in your life they start asking you they're like, like what do you, you want know. yeah exactly yeah yeah right i always struggle with what to tell people yeah which is why i was thinking you know maybe we give a few ideas of uh, what we're looking for, and maybe that would be helpful to more than just you and me. Yeah, I love it. Uh, I'm curious to see what what is going to be on your list of a couple of items, and uh, I've got a couple ideas that I think are pretty cool. So yeah, I'm usually really bad at telling people gift ideas for myself, um, but I think I've come up with a couple that uh, are are good and relatable for other people. Yeah, I'm interested to hear yours as well. So let, what 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 uh, what have you got over there? What's your first one? Yeah, I'll start it off. So the first one is kind of and to your point, kind of what I think would be really cool for people but also cool for myself so i've kind of done <laughs> are you dropping those. a hint are you like is this a subtle hint to listeners uh no not to <laughs> listeners, no um no i meant for you know my maybe my wife or my loved ones who may uh, listen in that maybe they'll find something they could get for me here oh your family listens to this some of them do um <laughs> yeah they do and i have friends also that that are uh, local friends that listen as well so um we're, we're big in miami will you didn't know <laughs> Yeah, I I hope next time I uh, land in the Miami air- airport, there's like a, a little throng of people waiting for me of there. Of course, and they're going to have the little placard that says your last name on it and, you know, like to take <laughs> you. Of course, we're, it'll uh-huh. be arranged. Uh-huh. Uh, all right. So anyways, um, the first one I had was an interesting one because it's actually a Kickstarter project. So it would have to be uh-huh. somebody that would understand this wouldn't be something you would get right away because it's a Kickstarter project. And I think it's due in like okay. June or something. But um, oh, wow. It, so what it is, and I, I just kind of happen upon this by chance actually um but what it is is it's on kickstarter it's called spirits flight palette development tool for whiskey which is a really interesting long name but i'll tell you what it essentially is is a kit where you can do blind flights with um for spirits and Ah. so it brings with it for similar to like small glen cairn glasses but they're all labeled Uh a b c and d already in the glass so it's kind of etched in on the bottom and then it, it comes with these four rings that are also A, B, C, and D that would just fit around the bottle. Oh, so you can I, so you can match them. Exactly. So what you could do is, you know, you could have uh, a friend, uh, a partner, whoever would set this up for you by just pouring these three or four whiskeys in and then just putting those rings around the bottles and putting them somewhere. So when you're ready, you go back and you'll see, oh, this one was that one. And it kind of just allows you to do that a little bit easier than like I've done it in the past where I like write it on napkins or something. <laughs> right. So yeah, uh huh, yeah. yeah I, I've I've done all sorts of weird stuff to try to like <laughs> yeah. remember which one is associated with which bottle, right? And you're that's like, interesting. You're like taping the A, B, C, or D, or you're like putting it on a piece of paper that's A, B, or C, or D, the Glen Cairn. So this allows for an easier uh, way to do that, and it also brings with it a holder 
uh, so that you could carry like all four of the glasses at one time if you wanted to move them all four like that. So it's on Kickstarter. Um, like I, I said, it's called Spirits Flight Palette Development Tool for Whiskey. They've long passed their goal already. There's 552 backers, and I think uh, ah. it's uh, it's ending on the 31st of December. So there should be plenty of time for listeners who are interested to go look it up on uh, on Kickstarter and and see if that's something you'd be interested in. Uh, it's by Aged and Ore, which is a hand blown glass company. Uh, and, uh, the, the one that I was looking at was roughly, I don't know, 40, 40, $45 or so for the, the back. No, it's not bad. No, not bad. And it, it, it seems like a cool little thing that will store easily too. And so it says it's for whiskey. Does that yeah. work for rum too? Well, it, it, I imagine it does. Well, um, <laughs> I'm just asking. I'm asking that in jest because, yeah. like, any time I talk about rum, like in some sort of use case in which whiskey is usually applied, that's right. always the question I get because, um, I think to the average person, yeah, whiskey and rum are in totally different universes. You're absolutely uh, right as far as how you enjoy them. So yeah. I was, I was asking that. Uh, as a joke of course but one thing i will do is i'm going to reach out to them and say hey uh this would work for rum really well and you should make that known uh just broaden Mm -hmm. your audience there um so yeah that's the first one for me and um what what's one of yours well what do you got yeah so one that i think uh people would enjoy and would also be really helpful to an important piece of the larger rum community is if you just kind of like go to the website of whatever local bar or establishment Mm. in the person you are gifting the gift to wherever they live Mm -hmm. find whatever bar is kind of like the one that specializes in rum whether that's a rum bar specifically which you know is more rare obviously or a tiki bar um you know that has kind of a wide uh rum selection a lot of times tiki bars also you know have like a great tasting menu Mm. and and stuff like that Go to their website and see what they're doing right now. Um, A lot of them have obviously had to get a little bit creative, think outside the box right now because they're so limited in in what they can offer. And, you know, some are doing really interesting promotions. Uh, Obviously, most of them just have gift cards available, Mm -hmm. which I think is a great gift to, you know, obviously the person like the gift you recommended, they can't enjoy it right away. Right. Well, in some cases, perhaps they could if it's set up for, you know, safe imbibing in public but um at the very least something that when you know the virus is a little more under control and restaurants are opening more back up to 100 percent capacity and and more traditional service settings and stuff like Mm -hmm. that at that point they'll have that gift card in their back pocket they can go and enjoy some rum uh and in the meantime you're supporting those local establishments as as i said like those are such important kind of conduits uh for the rum community whether it's places where people go to learn about rum where there's events hosted Mm -hmm. uh whether it's you know a a lot of people learn about rum for the first time through great bartenders so if we can find ways to try to support those places even if it's just a little bit i think that's really important to kind of the health of the larger rum community. But I also think it's a great gift in terms of it's giving someone an experience they can have at a later date. So right. that is is my suggestion. I think that I, that's a gift that I would love to receive. So uh, yeah. I think other rum enthusiasts would, would be in the same boat as me in, in that capacity. I love that. I love the idea of that. And I love the idea that we're able to support many of our bartenders, our bars, our places that rum is home to um, through all of this. Yeah. And, you you know, it's just kind of like saying, hey, 
we we we're here to support you still we're we're ready to get right back into it as soon as it's safe to do so i love the mm-hmm. idea that's that's a that's a that's the best one i i think you beat both of mine for sure boom <laughs> i love segment it. over i love it i don't even need to hear your next gift <laughs> i don't even want to share it anymore i'm just kidding i do i do want to hear it All i do right. want to hear it so what's 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 your what's your second one well I, I guess along somewhat of the same lines is we're having a lot of people uh commit a little bit more to their home bars at the same time uh, while yeah, they're not able definitely. to visit uh, those and they're enriching their rum experiences at home. Um, but mm-hmm. here's here's the rub. And you kind of mentioned this earlier, Will, is that people who know you're into rum, they, they, they may want to buy you a rum. But if you don't yeah. tell them what rum, it's really hard for them to kind of know sometimes which rum to get you and that you would appreciate. So yep. that's a hard thing because, you know, you don't want to get the bottle. Like, oh, thank you. This is something either A, you already have two of or B, it's really not something you would be. Uh, that interested in i've given that kind of thank you before yeah so um (laughs) here's my idea for those people who might be thinking about that um how about something else that's related to that that would be helpful that i find for me i don't always want to spend the money on but i think i need for my home bar which is a set of bitters yes um which there's some really great bitter sets out there uh, that you can get that would be really cool. And I love the idea of experimenting with those bitter sets. But every time mm-hmm. I go to that aisle and I look at those, you know, mixing components in, in the store, I just go, ah, because, you know, I don't some know of... if it's worth the investment. Right. And, yeah. and so I think that's that's the kind of gift that I love getting. It's where I'm like, oh, man, I've been thinking about doing that for so long. But I usually end up right. buying, spending my, my budget more on rum uh, than, than on those things. I think that's mm-hmm. a great idea. Or, you know, it could be something else as a mixer, you know, Aperol or Falernum or a great bottle of vermouth. Allspice Dram. Allspice Any of those. I you... love Allspice Dram. Yes. I was just having a conversation yesterday with with a distillery here in the U.S. that makes their own Allspice Dram. And I was like, I have to know about your Allspice Dram because yeah. I'm like, an all, like you know, obviously it's in a ton of uh, rum cocktails and right. uh, you know it's it's a, 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 a lot of it traditionally comes from jamaica so it has that kind of relationship with rum there's rum in it so there you go yeah um i love this gift idea i think it's a good one because i think it allows people to explore what they want to uh, add to your home bar situation but not feel the pressure of like gosh what rum is he gonna like right or she gonna like or if I spend twenty dollars on this bottle of bitters, like, am I really gonna like them? And if I don't like them, like, it takes forever to get through bitters, you know, because you only use a little exactly. bit at a time. So yep. yeah, it's the gift yeah. that keeps on giving. Great idea. <laughs> All right, so Will, what's your number two? So I'll close it out with um, this is something you and I talked a little bit about mm-hmm. because uh, a couple weeks back on the phone because I was on the way to a friend's house for the first time in a long time. He and his wife had just bought a new house, and I wanted to bring them a housewarming gift, and okay. I was like. So he is mostly into whiskey, specifically bourbon most of the time. So I know he likes that. I was like, should I get him? Should I like, I don't know. I know a tiny bit about bourbon, but not a lot. So mm. should I try to find like a, a, a bottle of bourbon he would like? Or should I just lean on my rum experience and knowledge of rum and right. bring him a rum that I think he would he might like as a bourbon drinker? You and I decided that the rum was the best option because that's the category that I know. Yes. So I would say if... One thing that I love is when people like friends of mine who are into other spirits categories like whiskey, for example, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I love when they give me something that they like a lot um, because it's always interesting for me to learn a little bit about even if it's another spirit category, just a little bit more about that. I find that my appreciation for rum grows the more I learn about other spirit categories as well. Agree. 
um not not because like i dislike them i like a lot of other spirit categories yeah um but it's it's always cool to get to know what someone else likes through those recommendations you know so for example if i have a friend who's really into whiskey and they want to get me a bottle of something like dude uh, get me something that you like Mm -hmm. um and 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 tell me why it's great so i can learn more about it Mm -hmm. that's that's what excites me um so you know don't don't try to become a rum expert and get me the perfect rum give me something you like so that would be another recommendation that's good advice even if it's not rum give someone something that you really enjoy um or if you're a rum drinker and you're giving something to someone who likes whiskey give them a rum that you really enjoy and tell them about it educate them that sort of thing so um that's my second one i think that that goes to the root of gift giving which is you're giving a piece of yourself for another person to enjoy right oh so that's deep uh, (laughs) i didn't mean to go that deep but there it is we're getting Um, we're getting we're getting to the whole spirit of the season right here you know the true meaning of christmas so (laughs) i'm I'm glad we're we're digging in deep and you know we're we're only in the intro right now (laughs) that's right so on this episode we talked to mark farrell who is the founder of 10 to 1 rum which is a pretty new brand. They launched around the end of 2019 or so. So 2020 is really kind of their first full year being in the public. And anytime, you know, we talk to a brand that's new, I always try to, you know, communicate, you know, what's interesting about this brand? Why should the rum world kind of be paying attention to this? And I think 10 to 1, you know, they're, they're part of kind of what we're trying to do with this podcast, which is broaden people's perspectives of what rum is and what rum can be introducing it to a wider audience out there you know attracting new people to the category in an authentic way and mark you know just as a person is is a really has just a fascinating background he's he's from the caribbean originally he grew up in trinidad came to the u.s at the age of 16 uh, because he was attending mit you know, as most 16-year-olds do. Um, <laughs> and after that, he he went on to Harvard Business School. He ended up becoming, several years later, the youngest vice president uh, in the history of Starbucks, which you is a company you may have heard of. And so he has this kind of really exceptional business educational background combined with a really foundational love of rum that goes back to where he's from and being from a place where it was around him all his life. And so, you know, I think when when rum drinkers see new companies that that look as great as 10 to 1 does, you know, if you look at it, it's very polished. Um, They're very intentional about what they put out there as a company. And I think a lot of times when consumers see that, you know, they see that polish and they, they wonder about the authenticity of it a little bit. And Mark is that is that rare person who I, I think is, is capable of putting out something that has that polish, but is, you know, authentic to its core of what, you know, what it's trying to be as a brand. And that was the biggest thing that I loved about this interview was, was, you know, learning a little bit more about Mark's background growing up and that intersection of really caring about the product but also really being intentional about crafting a brand in a way that is authentic and not just a bunch of, you know, marketing nonsense, so to speak. Right. I agree totally. And I agree with your assessment of saying like he's doing something similar in a different way to what we're doing in terms of trying to elevate the rum category and the perception of rum. Uh, let's get to it and uh, let everybody hear this. Yeah.
All right, so we are here with Mark Farrell, the founder of 10 to 1 Rum. Uh, really excited to, to get into this, Mark. I know there, there are lots of new rum brands out there, but yours uh, is, is really interesting. You've got a really kind of fresh perspective uh, and, and a story behind your brand. So really excited to uh, talk to you today. Uh, how are you? Yeah, doing pretty well. Thanks, Will. And uh, thanks so much for having me on. You know, great to, great to finally connect with you guys and glad to spend a little bit of time. Absolutely. Um, so I, I want to start a little bit. Um, I'd love to hear about kind of your journey in rum from a consumer standpoint. So before you, you know, started the business and everything, um, you grew up in Trinidad. Rum is a big part of the culture there, much differently than it is here in the U.S. And I was interested to know what what were kind of like the most common rums that were around growing up? And what, are, what were the first few rums you know, from other parts of the Caribbean that you enjoyed as you kind of like delved deeper into it as you grew older? Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, I can, can definitely speak to kind of my journey as a consumer, because actually that, that is the inspiration for ultimately starting 10 to 1, right? You know, right. I, I'll, often, I'll often tell my friends, and actually many of them, I've probably had about 50 of my friends um, from here in the US who've been down to Trinidad to hang out with me over the years, whether it's for Carnival or otherwise. So they've, they've experienced this firsthand, but I'll often kind of tell them that, you know, the experience of rum is very different in Trinidad or, or, or more broadly in the Caribbean versus what you would typically see and experience here, right? So mm -hmm. to answer your question, um, you know, you, you I mean, the, the, the first rum you're obviously going to find around the table if you were hanging out with me, my family, my cousins, etc., is going to be, you know, Angostura rum, right? That's kind of mm -hmm. obviously our, our, our standard bearer, our flag bearer for, for Trinidadian right. rum. For sure, right? So you guys know the Angostura guys really well. I mean, yes. you know, um, whether it would have been like a 1919 or an 1824 or something mm -hmm. like that, um, I'm always present. If, you, if you're looking at rum sort of beyond Trinidad, one of our family favorites for a long time has been El Dorado. So, you know, um, um, we, celebrate okay. Chris, we celebrate Christmas as like a unit, uh -huh. right? My, my mom's side of the family, you know, all my, my cousins are like my, my extended siblings. And so we all do Christmas together. You'll usually see my uncles, myself, my, my dad, you know, drinking, um, you know, either the Eldo 15, 21, maybe even the 25 for super special occasions. That's wow. another one you would see, you'd see, you'd see around for us a lot. Nice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and I guess that makes sense. I mean, Trinidad isn't too far from Guyana, right? Yeah. Um, not, not, not very far from Guyana. I mean, you know, um, I think we have a lot of shared sort of, um, um, um historical context, right? People are always surprised to hear that if you actually look at us from a population perspective, Trinidad ha has just as many people of African descent as they do of Indian descent. Right. And, and right. Guyana, mm -hmm. Guyana, Guyana has a very well. similar, similar makeup. Right. And the right. reasons for that, by the way, all tied to rum, you go back to the days of the sugarcane plantation sort of post slavery. Right. Um, mm. and, and, in both cases, whereas the plantations were largely abandoned on other Caribbean islands, um, the colonial folks at the time wanted to bring in indentured labor to continue to work those plantations. And so, you know, in Trinidad, you had this migration of, 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 of folks from India um, mm -hmm. making sort of their, their virgin voyages across some very tough seas um, mm. to sort of take their place in the plantation. So, so, so yes, I mean, um, geographically similar a lot of sort of ethnographical elements that are similar. And, and, and generally speaking, I mean, for us, I just have a ton of respect for Demerara to be, to be honest, right? I mean, I think yeah. it's some of the most, right. uh, some of the most elegant uh, rum that you can find anywhere in the world. And so I think, you know, it, it's part proximity, but also just part appreciation for what those guys have been able to, to, to do. 
Yeah. Yeah. It, it's it's always so interesting to to ask just kind of like what rums are around at different islands in the Caribbean because mm-hmm. um you know sometimes it's it's surprising what you find out like like I know you go to Puerto Rico for example and you see everyone, you know, drinking Don Q there. Like that mm-hmm, is the mm-hmm. iconic local rum. Everyone goes or Palo Viejo is another one in Puerto Rico that you're mm-hmm. you're not as much aware of if you're, you know, coming from the mainland. So um that 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 is interesting. I, I was guessing it would be Angostura, but I was prepared to be kind of like surprised like maybe there was another <laughs> local brand I didn't know about or something like that. So uh, well, that's, well, that's well, cool. well well, you know, I mean so, I mean there's Angostura, those 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 um those um, expressions I mentioned are probably sort of on the higher end of the, the market, you know, but okay. um, if you're sort of just chilling on the beach in Trinidad, yeah, you'd see brands like um, like Fernandez, Black Label and White Token. Yeah, other, other domestic brands certainly have a ton of market share in Trinidad that hmm. you don't really see on us. Uh, you don't really see on the export market anywhere. Right. Um, and the, the Fernandez, that was a distillery in Trinidad, right? Yeah, that's right. Is it is it still open? Because for some reason, I was under the impression that it was it was closed now. Yeah, no. So yeah, the Trinidad story is a little complicated in a lot of different ways. So I mean, like, 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 you know, we're uh, we're we are uh, we are an exceptional people, but certainly complicated in a, a few different ways. But no, um, um, yeah, black label and stuff still exists. Um, the the story of 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 um closure in Trinidad usually orbits around uh Carony, right? So Carony, nineteen seventy five limited, which is uh-huh, really right. where which is which is where some the, the the sugar, right? That was like the the cane fields and stuff in central Trinidad that were then used both in the sugar refining process and ultimately in the production of rum, right? Carony, nineteen seventy five mm-hmm. was was government owned for well, I mean, really for a, a long long time. Ultimately, yeah. um was not financially viable and was forced to close kind of in the early 2000s. And um, um, as a result, then even when you look at sort of what Angostura has to do today in terms of the distillation of their rum, you know, they're bringing in stock from other islands and stuff and, and, and really kind of building their book that way. So mm-hmm. currently is no longer with us. That's also why you mm-hmm. see a lot of their... Uh, their old rums on the on the aftermarket, right? Highly sought after, like that Karen E2000 oh, yeah. and yeah, stuff yeah. that you see, right? Mythic um, status. The mythic status, <laughs> mythic status, right? The, uh-huh. the, 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 the lost barrels. The lost distillery, are, yeah. Right? yeah. Exactly, uh-huh. exactly, exactly. So there's a lot of fanfare around that. Yeah, yeah. I, I was actually I, I was curious to to hear if if any of the brands that Karen e owned were you know still around kind of when you were growing up because I I know it was what around two thousand three or so that the, the distillery yep. closed so I wasn't sure if those were some of the popular brands that were circulating around around Trinidad uh, in, yeah, in your so, early years. Yeah, no. So, so I mean, so so no. In, in our in our early years, yeah. I mean, Angostura has always kind of been the dominant been the dominant brand, particularly when you sort of move up market. You know, you we talked about Fernandez, and so there's a host of others that I could I could name drop on air too. I mean, Carney never owned a rum, right? So there's never there was never a brand in Trinidad called Carney, Carney right? Yeah, Carney. Right. Carney was the um was sort of like the um what would you call it? So not the industrial complex, but like the plantation essentially that was the feeder system, right? Mm-hmm. That's where mm-hmm. your stock came from. That was then again used in both the sugar granulation process and ultimately as a as an input into into rum. So yeah, it actually well when I first saw a bottle of Carney, you know, out here in the wild, quote unquote, as <laughs> yeah. outside outside of Trinidad, I was actually I was actually surprised the very first time I saw this. I was Carney, like well, we don't have like who made this rum and then i kind of kind of kind of uncovered the story over time you know but yeah you wouldn't walk you wouldn't walk into a bar in trinidad and ask somebody for for carony they would look, they, uh-huh. they, 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 they'd give you directions they would not <laughs> right. it's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's a place they give you directions yeah. they would not they would not pull a bottle down from their back bar for sure <laughs> 
So uh, turning the focus a little bit to ten to one now, uh, Mark. Right, we I, made you. We made you talk about all these other distilleries. <laughs> so now we should. We should probably talk about your actual all, all, rum brand. All good, man. All good. All good. <laughs> but a, but a good start, and and it all feeds into this, which is you know you bill uh, ten to one as a Caribbean rum. So mm-hmm. uh, and and that's being that's a, a blend, if I'm correct, of four distinct Caribbean nations. Is that right? Yeah. That's right. And then, so I guess uh, one of the questions I, I had for you was, how did you go about selecting which nations and which distilleries would make up this blend? And, you know, who was involved in that? How long did it take you before you were like, okay, this is the one. Yep, let's go with this. Yeah, it's a good question. And actually, and, and, and I'll actually a, a minor little digression because it's related to the question that Will sure. asked and then what you, what you just asked, John. But it's, you know, because um, Will asked the question, journey as a consumer and, and really i would say that that ends up leading into your question right which is right. you know i i you know i, I left trinidad as a 16 year old i mean i'm still i'm trinidadian trinidadian passport my parents are at home etc but you know i've lived in the u.s for the better part of 20 years at this point and so you know my entire adult life my entire life as a, as a functioning adult consumer has been in the u.s and also in the uk and mm-hmm. really um, that journey, right, is, is, is what sort of led to the creation of 10 to 1 and certainly the blends that are in the bottles. And so what I always describe to people is, you know, um, think of me and all my friends when we're in college, you know, 20, 21, whatever years old, you know, and kind of what, what you were drinking out of your, your college dorm room. And then, you know, uh-huh. you get your first, yeah. your first job out of college, your second job, you go to grad school, et cetera, et cetera. I, for such a long time, saw um, this progression in the in the journeys of my friends, right? Who were whether you were a gin drinker, vodka drinker, tequila drinker, now more recently mezcal, etc. Right? Where you kind of walked into a bar and the things you were calling for, right? Were I mean certainly higher price point, more curated, but also felt like they were they were better quality, better story around them, etc. And I think in a lot of ways, for me as a consumer of rum, I had a massive struggle with that hair, right? Like like. Like, and yes. I, I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna shame anyone by name, <laughs> but, but, but there were, there were, you know, I walk into a bar in, in, in Soho or in Lolita here in New York and the, the, the auctions for me as a consumer, as a, as a, as a lover of rum were felt really narrow and very limited. Right. And so, mm-hmm. yeah. um, um, for me, kind of the first part of call, even before thinking about the specific countries is really about, um, how do we find a way to elevate the category, right? Like elevate the perception of rum for many consumers here. Because again, you guys asked me, what would we drink at home? What would we enjoy at home? Those are some pretty, you know, I think some pretty outstanding, you know, exceptional spirits in their own right. And rum is a very elevated, very versatile category for sure. So, so, so for me, you know, when I started to think about, you know, what kind of goes in the bottle, first and foremost, you know, trying to create something exceptional. Um, secondly, now back to your question, yeah, uh, um, John, you know, mm-hmm. th- this idea of creating a blend was really, um, was really captivating to, to, to me and to us, I should say, because it's myself and my friend, Zach, when we were, we were, we were kind of getting this whole process started three years ago, but it is not meant to be a Trinidadian creating a Trinidadian rum. I think that like, I want to tell the story of the, of, of, of the Caribbean. Um, and to tell a story of like the quality that exists and the heritage and the culture and all of those pieces. And certainly that's brought to life through 10 to 1's uh, um, blends. With our dark rum, um, you're right, it's, it's a blend from four different countries, Trinidad, of course, Barbados, Jamaica, um, and the Dominican Republic, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. All of which have really exceptional rum heritages in their own rights, right? Um, yeah. and, and when I was creating the blend, one of the things that I thought about, again, so imagine me, I'm in, I'm in, you know, I'm in flat iron, I walk into a bar, 
you know, I see on the back bar there's some really elegant sipping rum. I kind of call for it from the bartender. He brings it over. He maybe dusts it off as he pulls it <laughs> off the shelf, right? And, and, and pours me a dram. And, you know, I, 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 I conjure that imagery because in some ways um, that bottle clearly hasn't been called for by somebody for a while until I walked into that bar. And so yeah. well, when, when, I, when I created our dark rum, I said, we need to have something that um, is extraordinarily versatile. You asked me to describe our rum in a single word. It's versatile. Um, you need to be able to enjoy it neat on the rocks, you know, splash of soda water or coconut water, which is how I'd recommend mixing it if you want to. And also can play in sort of like the elevated craft cocktail space. You know, you walk into uh, the Nomad Hotel or Coat or, or the Aviary or whatever, you know, and you're going to find like 10 to 1 featuring prominently there. And so, and so, and so um, in choosing the different countries that ended up sort of being built into the blend, um, it was a combination of factors, a combination of, again, sort of celebrating that pan-Caribbean culture and heritage, but also picking out very specific elements and specific profiles, right? So mm-hmm. I, I always kind of point to Jamaican rum first and foremost, right? Because, you right. know, so many of them, big, bold, funky, you know, a lot of, lot, lot, lot of volatiles, high ester, pot still rum. Um, yeah. We have a little bit of that actually in our, in our age rum, in our dark rum, which is, I think, quite unique. And what that does both to the nose of the rum, you get some of those, a little bit of that funk, a little bit of those banana notes, right. some cooked fruits, right? Alongside the baking spice from like that typical barrel age rum experience that really live together very, very well on the nose, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, on, on the palate, you're going to get a little bit of cedar, a little bit of toffee, a little bit of, um, um, actually a little bit of, of baking spice coming through on the palate too, for sure. Um, um, moderate acidity, actually a little bit dry on the finish. And again, like if you think about like, like a Dominican rum or, or even like a Trini rum in many ways, you know, we have a very different soil composition from like say a Jamaica or even a Barbados. Um, sure. that can, they can drink a little drier. Um, I wanted to really battle this perception that rum is, um, um, cloying, overly right. sweet, sugar, right, sugar yeah. bomb, right? Right. Same like, like, here. That's what many, right? You, we, we, listen, we, we're on a mission together, guys. You know? That's like, right. Like, a, you know, <laughs> so I, I tell people that, 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 the, that the, the, the exercise of creating the rums was, um, you know, call it like sort of one part, you know, Caribbean culture heritage, um, another part sort of like, like taste profile, if you will. And then even another part in terms of sort of like, I'd almost call it strategic in a sense, like, what are some of the what are some of the, the long held beliefs about rum that we want to combat? I just kind of mentioned yeah. that overly cloying piece, a little dry right. on the finish. Um, no, ad, our rums, by the way, have no added sugar, no added color, no added anything. Right? If you do that, mm-hmm. that's 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 your thing. That's fine. But we don't do it on our side as well. Like 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 we're trying to kind of again battle that perception that some consumers may have. So a lot of different things I would say that kind of went into that process of creating both the dark and the white rum. Hmm. And, and mentioning the white rum too, also, because we, we talked a lot about the, the blend of the dark. So I know mm-hmm. that the white rum uh, is a uh, uh, column still, right? From Dominican uh, Republic and also uh, pot still from Jamaica. Is that is that right as well? Yeah. Yeah. Did you have a similar thought kind of going in with the unaged also in terms of, uh, obviously there's a lot of differences between a, a, a traditional usage of a dark rum and a white rum, mm-hmm. but what was mm-hmm. kind of the strategy and thinking, is that something you also wanted people to think about sipping as a white rum or is that really still in a different space? Yeah, no, it's a really good question. You know, I, um, again, if you're going to go back to this, the, the, the initial seed here, the additional mandate, which is to try to find ways to elevate the category, you know, obviously you want to put out a, a, a really high quality sort of aged rum or dark rum on the market to get that mm-hmm. done. But we looked at the white rum category and said, you know, there's a big opportunity here as well, right? Because 
I think for a lot of consumers, and again, I'm just going to kind of use the U.S. as an example because that's where sure. we are today. Um, yeah. A lot of consumers in the U.S., I think to me, um, uh, equivocate the white rum category with a single bottle. Like there's one bottle that they all know that they've all seen, and that's kind of white uh-huh. rum, and there's sort of there's sort of nothing else beyond it, right? Right, uh, right. You guys, five bucks, whoever can guess what it is, but you know. <laughs> yeah. um, and I think oh, and usually a, it's just referred to as the brand name rather than white rum, you know, when people talk about it as an ingredient. Yeah, no, no. Uh, yeah, that, that's actually that's also absolutely right. It's an ingredient, which, by the way, you know, I mean, listen, let's let's um, let's give credit where it's due. Right. If you get to that place of ubiquity, then sure, you know, yeah. you've done you've done something right over the years. But yeah, I think for us, we wanted to kind of challenge that assumption as to sort of the, 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 the breadth and the depth of white rum as a category. Um, if you're a big rum nerd like me, sit on here and geek out with you guys all day on this, right? <laughs> um, you have um, you have a great appreciation for Jamaican pot rums, right? Like you know, big, bold, funky, oh, yeah. high proof, right. you know, high kind of, right? like, like, yeah, yeah, super yeah. dynamic. I think, I think for so many people who tumble down the rum rabbit hole, like that first whiff they get of you know. Mm-hmm a Ray and nephew or a Smith mm-hmm. and cross or something, you know, yeah. that's accessible here in the U S like that's mm-hmm. when you're like, Oh my God, there's something, something's going on with this category that I didn't know about, you know? Yeah. 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 yeah exactly. Whoa. Like, like, wait, this is rum. Wait, what do you mean? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. um, and, and we thought, but, but, but by that same token, well, you know, um, I think for a lot of consumers, if you give somebody a, a, a super hot, really high ester overproof rum, like, you know, it's going to be a bit inaccessible for them. Right. Yeah, and so we yeah. thought that with our white rum, we would thread a needle. We bring some of those elements. You're going to mm, kind of pick mm-hmm. up some of those grassy, uh, herbaceous notes, a little bit of fresh citrus, etc., on the nose of this rum. You know, we, we have people who just, who buy the rum, who fall in love with the rum on the, off the nose alone. They haven't even tasted it mm-hmm. yet. And then when you dive in and you taste it, right. Um, zesty, clean, refreshing, a little bit of minerality. Those are the words you typically hear people describe mm-hmm. it as. Um, it actually is a 90 proof. One of the, one, one of the things we, we thought about a ton in the product development was this perception that a lot of white rums kind of just disappear into the back of a cocktail, right? right. Like you, you, kinda, you don't even know they're there. You want something that has real body, that has personality, that can actually express itself. I think yes. our white rum does that extraordinarily well, you know? So, 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 as much, you know, the dark rum to me is, a, is an extraordinary, is an excellent spirit without a doubt. I think as we've been introducing it to the trade over the last year and change, I think the white rum is the one that a lot of folks kind of point at as, 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 as having real potential to be an, a bit of an industry game changer in its own right. So, yeah, mm. we're really excited about what we've been able to create on, on, on that side of the fence, too. Right. It's like a proper introduction into uh, a, a Caribbean white rum almost and in, in how you're trying to do that with that uh, threading the needle, like you said, so that it's not too inaccessible, but it provides mm-hmm. what you need uh, to experience what a, a high quality uh, white Caribbean rum would be. Exactly. It, it has body, it has character, it has intrigue. It's, you put that on your shelf, you, you take that over to a party at your friend's house, like, they've never had anything like that before. So it, it does all of that stuff, right? It leaves a real impression, you know? But it doesn't feel like you're on a room, you, you know, it, it doesn't feel too remote. Something you can access. Um, let, let, me, let me help you understand how to, how to mix it, right? So you asked the question before about what is it designed to do? So, of course, it makes an extraordinary daiquiri, right? If, if, if you can't do that with your white room, then you're sort of, you're, you're, you're <laughs> Start an over. island, yeah. you're <laughs> an island all to yourself. It's, it's over. Um, 
but but for us, you know, again, sort of whether you're you're having consumers mix it with soda water or, or coconut water. Actually, um, my dad's a big gin and tonic drinker. He now drinks ten to one white and um, and tonic. I, I'm trying I'm trying to tell more people that you can that rum and that a rum and tonic is a great drink because I so rarely even people who like rum I don't hear it talked about that much. But um, over the past year or so, I've I've made several at home and I'm always like huh. like damn, this is a great drink. Like why yeah. isn't this more of a thing? Especially yeah. if you have a rum with with a little bit of character like you're saying exactly. um, where it's not just going to disappear uh, it's it's a great drink it's a it, it's a great drink you know and for sure and we found that people who who um who typically are sort of um you know like like either they like a botanical like a gin or they like um you know, uh-huh. even like a, a, a gabby drinkers tend to really resonate right. towards our, right. our white you know with our dark rum with the ex-bourbon barrel aging and some of the notes that are on there, you know, if you're a bourbon or whiskey lover, certainly you're going to fall in love there as well. And then actually on that note, one of the things that we talk about a ton is how do we build bridges to consumers in other categories, right? Yeah. That's, that's, that's yeah. extraordinarily important for us, right? Like I'm trying to create this big tent for the world of rum. Yes. I want people who drink rum today to, to trade up, right. To kind of experience uh-huh, uh-huh. for yeah. the first time, but I also want to welcome you in if, if you're, current calling card is mezcal or gin or american whiskey or whatever the case is right yeah um and, and real quick before we move on i i know because uh, people listening to this are uh you know rum nerds like you said and and, and i want to make sh- i know they're going to be wondering you know like mm-hmm. what distilleries and stuff go into mm-hmm. the blend and i mm-hmm. correct me if i'm wrong but the the 10 to 1 dark the barbados is Foursquare, mm-hmm. dominican republic is afd trinidad right. uh, angostura as we said mm-hmm. and jamaica is worthy park is that correct yep yep four out of four okay great so just wanted to make sure everyone was aware of that so some great it's a beautiful thing some some fan favorite distilleries yeah exactly sure. some 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 great houses in there you know without a doubt yeah yeah um, so as you were talking about kind of like expanding that big tent of rum, welcoming people to it, I know the the tagline of the brand is rum reimagined. Mm-hmm. Um, you're trying to kind of broaden the occasions and contexts in which people enjoy rum. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know like for me as a rum consumer, when I look around, I feel like I see more and more new brands springing up that are after some of the same goals. And, and that's not to say that yours isn't unique because, you know, you bring your own perspective, your own nuance and, and approach, your own brand. But I'm wondering from your perspective, when you look around at the marketplace, do you feel like you see other kindred spirits like trying to lift the category as well is there a sense of like being after the same goals in the category or does it still feel like sort of a lonely fight from from the business perspective yeah that's a good question it's a really good question um somewhere in the middle and i i I, I hate saying that i mean in that and let me explain it doesn't feel lonely because certainly Mm -hmm. you know Anybody who's playing in the rum space, doesn't matter whether you started a brand or you're an ambassador, or maybe you know, you're, you're behind the bar. So many of our favorite bartenders, rum is their favorite drink, right? Like, I mean, we all want to see the category sort of like, like grow and flourish and really sort of assume the place that it deserves in the consciousness of the everyday consumer. So, so yeah. it's not lonely in that way, right? You know, I just, I just kind of walk to the nearest bar and we saddle up have a drink in, in non-COVID times, I should say. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, 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 and you're going to find a lot of resonance there for sure. So it isn't lonely so much. Um, as far as kindred spirits, though, uh, 
not 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 really and, and i don't say that from any sort of a place of, of hubris in the slightest right i just think that sure. like right that like that like the, the, the 10 to 1 story and the journey is very specific and very personal right i mean again like this is a trinidadian guy who's you know kind of born and raised who's come here and spent a bunch of time and is trying to kind of tell the story of rum through 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 our lens and so i think mm-hmm. i think to really kind of find a kindred spirit you know i'd have to see like another another young Trini guy or, you know, young Jamaican lady kind of out there sort of doing the same thing. And, and by, by the way, even if that was kind of where they were from, the way they might choose to kind of approach the space and the way they might choose to tell the story is probably even then going to be different, right? So, yeah. so, so, so no, I, I mean, I think certainly others want to elevate the category for sure. Certainly we won't claim, <laughs> we won't claim <laughs> to be the only ones trying to be standard there as they're not, I'm not silly, but, but, but <laughs> I think, I think, I think, and I hope we're taking a very unique approach to, 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 to the space. Hmm. And by the way, I, I, we, we kind of went right through it uh, without touching on this. I, I'm sure some people who are uh, listening to you for the first time are curious about the 10 to 1 name. And I bring it up because I know it ties into that whole uh, perspective and whole, you know, bringing in different uh, aspects of the Caribbean and right. stuff. Can, can, you, can you share with people kind of the story behind that and the, the connection it has to, uh, to Trinidad? Because I believe it comes from a, a quote, but I won't, yeah. I won't spoil it for you. Yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll leave it to you. <laughs> spoiler, spoiler, spoiler alert. Yeah, no, you're right. I, mean, I, 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 um, you know, I tell anyone who, who, who crosses my path or our path as a team, you know, it's like, you know, every element of this brand is intentional. You know, if, if you had a bottle sitting in front of you right now, you said, Where's the name come from? You know, why the logo? Why these colors? What's the sign? Uh-huh. Every element of this brand is intentional. And it, it starts with the name. So the name 10 to 1, uh, as you were alluding to, it's actually inspired by the original Caribbean Federation, right? Which, which consisted of 10 countries. So it's mm-hmm. the idea of, you know, t- 10 becoming one. Um, and as Trinidad's prime minister at the time said, he said, uh, one from 10 equals zero. Uh, he was making the point that if you remove one from the collective, the whole thing falls apart. Um, and so, you know, we, we like to kind of reference that and say that, you know, 10 to 1 as a brand is really kind of grounded in this idea of community, strength in numbers, you know, this, this notion that we're stronger together than we are apart, right? So, so, so that really kind of creates the moorings of the brand. And whether it's the name, whether it's, you know, our logo, which is actually the Scarlet Ibis, the National Bird of Trinidad, or, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the label design, which is actually a, a riff off of these old shipping labels from the, from the early days of the sugar cane trade. You know, we thought we could create a bottle that feels very elevated, very sleek, very contemporary, but is grounded in real tenets of Caribbean history and culture and heritage, right? You don't have to, you don't have to sacrifice those things in order to make something that feels really, I mean, really, you know, really dope, really modern. And also you don't have to be overly literal and caricaturized to represent the Caribbean, right? Like everything doesn't have to be like pirate ships or, 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 or maps of some islands or any yeah. of that stuff. We can yeah. do stuff that feels very modern and still, still it's grounded in that storytelling. Yeah, I think that's good to hear because I, I know, you know, Will and I often talk about American made rum. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I know Will does the the fabulous American Rum Report newsletter for those that don't know. Um, but uh, <laughs> one of the things that we discuss a lot about American rum is that it can be hard to categorize. Mm-hmm. In other words, you know, we, we all know what the identity of a Barbados rum is or a Martinique rum. Right. Um, but we don't really have a good grasp on what an American rum is. And that's probably because I think we're a federation of 50 states uh, and many of the regions or even the states all have very different identities and their cultures and and different ways of making rum and producing rum and nuance Mm -hmm. so i think Mm -hmm. that's good to hear uh, in terms of what your thoughts are about how you're approaching the idea of the caribbean as one kind of geographic entity 
but also also attempting to preserve the individual cultures of the places where this rum is made and the identities and the production style of the nations that go into it. So you said everything is done with intention. And mm-hmm. so it was your intention through these these blends to both represent the Caribbean as well as those individual rum making countries. Uh, and, and is that kind of what has led you to this point and that's where you want to be? Yeah, I mean, that, 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 uh, that, I appreciate the question. It's actually really, really well said, to be honest. I mean, y- yes, I think it's a combination of the two. Like, like, like I said, you know, when we were describing how the blends were created, again, you know, Jamaican rums, you know, Bajan rums, Trini rums, you know, Martinican rums, they're all incredibly different, right? And each, each island, each country takes a lot of pride in their own heritage, right? And, uh, you know, if, right. you, if you're hanging out in New York, you know, with a, with a Jamaican who's touting their, their Appleton or their Worthy Park, you know, <laughs> the Dominicans are talking about their Brugal, the, the Bajans with their Mangue or their Foursquare, you know, then, then the list kind of goes on, right? There's a lot of pride there. So to me, the idea of creating the blend from a product perspective really does say, you know, we had some intention around whether it's a pot versus a column still, whether it's an age versus an unage, you know, uh, how do you bring those pieces to bear to create something sort of exceptional in that, in that vein of 10 to 1? Right. right. So, so, so you're, you're celebrating them individually and bringing that product to life. Um, when I think about the brand 10 to 1, though, it really does have this collectivist mindset around it. Right. The mm-hmm. idea, again, we're stronger together than we are apart. As a brand mm-hmm. story, if you went to our Instagram, sure, we talk about things that are distinctly Trinidad, you know, distinctly Jamaican or distinctly, you know, uh, uh, um, Barbadian or Lucian or whatever it might be. But like, like the story of the brand, the ethos of the brand is a Cari- it's a Caribbean lens, not a Trinidadian brand that we're creating. So yes, I mean, it's it, it, it's an important distinction to make, and it's saying that like you know, under this tent, and that's gonna keep on using this visual metaphor, right? Under this sure. tent that we call the Caribbean, there's lots of very distinct, unique individual characters that exist, and they and they each deserve to be celebrated. Yeah. But I'm coming and I'm presenting you like different facets of that story through through ten to one as a brand. Right. It's just like a machine. A machine runs mm-hmm. because it has different parts that are interlocking and working with each other to create something greater than that. Exactly. Exactly. And to me, like the common tenets, I mean, so if you think about like Jamaica versus Trinidad or whatever, you know, keep on using mm-hmm. those examples, but, <laughs> but, um, um, is, is, you know, there's something about the fabric of like, 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 I, I was talking about this celebration being sort of core to who we are as a people, part of our essence, part of our, our very fabric. And again, the way that presents will be different. Like Trinidad Carnival is the most epic celebration you'll ever go to anywhere in the world. I guarantee it. And I'm, I'm not biased. I promise anybody <laughs> who's listening, right? Um, um, and, and, and Jamaica will have their own versions of how that comes to life. But we all do have this very unique kind of joie de vivre, this unique sort of lens on celebration. And so that to me is a good example of a story that you can tell in a way that feels like it's resonant, no matter where you go in the Caribbean. You know, we talk about this idea of the birthplace of celebration, bringing that to life in a lot of ways. So, yeah, there's opportunity, I think, to kind of acknowledge and in fact celebrate the the differences, but still do it sort of under a common banner, which is the banner of the 10 to 1 brand. Yeah, I, I think, you know, John and I often talk about one of the things that drew us to rum in the first place was, you know, you get to know a particular country's rums and through that you kind of tumble down the rabbit hole of you know their history their culture and everything um and it's just it's just this like incredible lens to kind of explore different cultures history and things like that and um looking through the the 10 to 1 instagram feed and you guys do a really cool job of like highlighting 
different figures from the Caribbean. Like I think I saw a, a post with um, uh, Derek Walcott in it, mm-hmm. um, who who wrote Omaros, um, mm-hmm. which I it took me back to my. I was an English major in in college. Uh, and <laughs> oh, it took no, me back no. to to reading back the uh, reading that book then. Um, mm-hmm. And it's 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 really cool just the way you know you. you you mentioned, you know, you're you grew up in Trinidad, but this is a Caribbean rum, and it, it's not just all about Trinidad. It's about highlighting different places. So um, it's it's cool to to seeing that come to fruition and like being able to put the spotlight on these different figures throughout Caribbean history and learn more about them. Um, like Eric Williams, for example, was someone who I um, was not familiar with prior to uh, you know learning about Ten to One. So mm-hmm. um, mm. yeah. Uh, keep 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 it up is what i'm saying it's, <laughs> yeah, it's really well, cool yeah 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 no i i appreciate that you know um so, so one of the core one of the core pillars of the brand right is this idea uh we call it caribbean made right and caribbean when i say caribbean made right i often tell people like you don't have to be born and raised in trinidad with a trinidadian passport to be caribbean made like me right i mean if your if your mother or your grandmother is from the caribbean that to me is caribbean made you know if you've if you've been to Trinidad Carnival twice, so you've you know been to the beaches of Montego Bay or whatever, that to me is actually Caribbean made. If if you nice. grew up right here in the in the U.S., right, maybe you grew up in in Brooklyn or D.C. or or Miami, right, and you've been anywhere and you've been surrounded by Caribbean music, art, fashion, food. Those are points of inspiration. That's, that's John down hey, there. Hey, I was going to say John down there in Miami. Well, yeah. Mark, I'm Caribbean made. I'm I'm John, feeling very John, happy about John, that. John, that's what I'm trying to tell you, bro. You're Caribbean made. Welcome to the club. You know, I've got to get my two trips to Carnival. And I was going to say then, I'm coming with you. Yeah, I, I can be more Caribbean made than I am now. Exactly. Right. Everyone, you, you, can all, you can always be exactly. There's different levels of Caribbean made. So we, can, we, can, we, we can get you some additional tenure here for sure. Right. Um, Excellent. Um, so, so how have you to do it whether it's some trips to carnival or whatever we can make it happen but i mean you know but but, but to your to your point you know well you you mentioned it like um we want to wrap our arms around a much bigger broader idea of what it means to be caribbean made right and if you if you if you tell the story that way and again i don't have a chance to meet every consumer of 10 to 1 or or or, or create every post myself but like my hope is that people will kind of start to see that and get that essence from our instagram from our website, from our press, you know, whatever it might be. So you say like, yeah, there is something about this brand that I can identify with, right? There is something here that, um, that, 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 yeah, that resonates with me on a personal level. I don't have to, again, I've been too part of Spain Trinidad to call myself part of this, part of this collective, you know? Yeah. Um, and so, and so we try to showcase that as much as we can. Circling back a bit, one one question that popped in my head, you know, I, you were talking about how intentional you were with every aspect of the brand. If, if someone has a question about something on the label, like there was something you thought about that, that, you know, there was a reason behind it. And one of the, you know, favorite topics of conversation among geeky rum people is categorizations of rum mm-hmm. and you know mm-hmm. how to describe them and and seeing mm-hmm. the 10 to 1 blend you know it's it's a blend of aged rums and you have 10 to 1 dark on the label mm-hmm. and dark is one of those those rum descriptors that like I feel like rum fans have a complicated relationship with where it has a lot of utility yep. because people are they, people have that familiarity with you know dark rum as a thing that exists but then you also mm-hmm. have you know the dark rums that 
it, you know, it doesn't always mean it's age. Sometimes it's, you know, from yeah. Uh, yeah. coloring that's been added. And I'm, I'm curious how, like, what the thought process was in terms of, uh, you know, did, did you consider calling it 10 to 1 aged or 10 to 1 dark? Mm -hmm. Like, what was the, the debate, the, the decision-making process in that? Yeah, no, it was a, yeah, great question. And then mm -hmm. I'll say that I'm, I'm, I'm right there alongside all those rum nerds and geeks who feel strongly about it, right? Uh -huh, so, uh -huh. so um, you, you know, in, in many ways, I think one of, one of the beauties of rum has been one of its biggest challenges, right? Like, think about champagne for a second, right? Yeah. You know, uh, uh, or any of these sort of varietals that are like, have a specific region, have a specific right. method, right? Geographic that indicator, the, yeah. Yeah, well, well, yes, geographic indicator or, or method of creation, distillation or otherwise, like there are rules of the road that you cannot mm -hmm. depart from, in order to yep. be, right? And rum, part of the beauty of rum is that like, you know, okay, your agricole, your molasses, your pot, your column, your, your age, your unage, your blend, your knock, like whatever, all this Sounds stuff. like a Katy Perry song. <laughs> yeah, right? Uh, uh, might, be, might, be, might be my second calling, guys. Let's see what Sing a songwriter, sing a songwriter. Um, you know, I, I think, I mean, look, yeah, certainly there's a lot, I, I think particularly with the spice rum category in the US, I think it's used in a lot of ways as a catch-all for lots of stuff, right? Like, mm -hmm. wait, 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 you know, it's amazing to me how many consumers don't know that like, a, like, like the, the 10 to 1 dark rum is an aged rum i'm like well yeah well it was aged in a barrel it's an eight-year-old rum etc 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 right and like well that's because they're, they're currently in market drinking rums that are unaged that have coloring attached to them right yep. nobody would ever nobody would ever ask you that question about a whiskey by the way no, you just know no. that whiskey right. is barrel aged right mm -hmm. so 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 that's a challenge that we face on a on a daily basis and again i want to be kind of part of the solution for that right so whether it's you know again talking about sort of um the distilleries that are in our blends or the ages of the rums or whatever, like we kind of live a life of transparency here. Mm -hmm. um, to answer your question about the dark versus the white, there's actually a very simple answer for it. And this, the answer is I used the, um, the, the taxonomy that mm -hmm. we're used to in, Trin in, in Trinidad. It actually is as simple as that. Mm. So, so in Trinidad, you wouldn't like point to something on the shelf and say, let me get um, that age, you, you just, that's not really what you say. Like mm -hmm. you'd say the dark, people call it dark and white again, because actually spice rum doesn't exist as a category in Trinidad. So like mm. if I'm pointing at the dark rum, it is age, right? It, it's just kind of known that that's what it is. Right. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, honestly, honestly, and, and you know, it's probably hard to kind of please everyone because if you, you know, you could have said age, for example, on it, but then yes, I just thought that like, given where I'm from and given the way that people refer to it down there, you know, you could talk about the white rum or the silver rum, you could talk about the dark or the age or what have you. We just kind of went with the taxonomy that was most, most familiar to us. That's, yeah. that's, that's the simple yeah. answer. No, and yeah. I, I think that that makes a lot of sense. I remember, uh, I think, I, th I think it was um, Richard Seale who was talking about uh, white rum being a term that goes way, way back uh, in Barbados, and I can't remember the exact mm -hmm. reasoning with it. But you find that a lot that these terms that you think mean one thing are, you know, mean so something different somewhere else. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And yeah, I, I knew there would there would be something interesting uh, behind it because, like you said, you know, the, there's intention behind everything. So moving on from the the two blends uh so those were mm -hmm. kind of like what what you've launched with sort of the flagship also you just launched your first uh reserve release which is yeah. a it's a limited release i think mm -hmm. four 17 year old casks from trinidad 1200 bottles yeah so I, i'd love to hear you know more about the rum itself but but also you know what was the process like that led you to this particular rum 
as your first limited release because you know obviously you have a lot of different options uh, from all over the Caribbean so um, why this rum why now uh, what was the process like yeah absolutely so you know as I say a couple of things you know uh, um, well let's start let's start with actually kind of why now um, kind of going back to the mission statement of 10 to 1 which is you know rum reimagined we want to kind of elevate perceptions of the category we want to challenge expectations right like everything you thought you knew about rum not not, mm -hmm. not will and john everything you the consumer <laughs> thought you knew about, knew about rum let me find a way to kind of turn it on its head and so we're going yeah. to keep on finding ways to sort of like push the envelope and do that right now now i mean and again i'm biased but i think our two two core skews are excellent not just in terms of taste profile but in terms of what they're able to do, right? Again, they're very versatile. Sip them, right. mix them, you know, higher-end cocktail program, et cetera, et cetera. Those two core skews are going to be around kind of forever, you know? Um, mm. But I think that, like, there's a really, I think, I think we have a, a unique opportunity to kind of do some more storytelling, to shed light on, again, like, like other corners of the rum universe, right, that might be unseen, and you, and you kind of build that mm -hmm. appreciation. So I would love for us to kind of create a rhythm. This is our very first, um, our very first reserve, as you, as you mentioned. We, we, we've only been around for, for a year and change, a year and a half. Um, but, but I think we'll do like, like, like one or two of these every year, honestly, right? And, That's and, awesome. You know, That's great I, to hear. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So there's lots, you know, if, 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 you guys, if you guys like the first one, there's lots to be excited about coming down the path after that too. And, you know, you, you'll find different ways, right? So, um, for, for example, I've often said to people that even though the rums that we have are blends, right, um, I actually dream of a day when there are so many consumers in the U.S. who are familiar with the nuances between the different countries that, like, maybe they're asking us for, like, single origin. Right. Mm. So, so help me understand, like, a, like, like, put a Barbados rum next to a Jamaican rum, next to a Trini rum, and kind of go down the line next to a Guyanese rum, and sort of go down the line from there. And, and you know, again, maybe that comes. That's up. what I do in my house all the time, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> you, just, you just, you just, you just, you just stack them up. You, you have your own personal. Yep. I go. All right. Yeah. Let me. Boom. Let's try yeah. this one. Let's go yeah. put it against this one. And yeah. I love that about rum, and that's one of the reasons I got into it in the first place. And I think it's such a strength of rum. Absolutely. Is that it has that that diversity and absolutely. yet you can appreciate all of the different things. So uh, uh, you should do that. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Okay. Well, awesome. So I have, I have your blessing. So I'm just going to go do more of it. And make it happen, <laughs> you know? But it's that like, like, yeah, you, you want more people to have that curiosity. Oh, okay, cool. I tried the last one. So how is this one different? So why, so why, so why, right? Um, yeah. So, so, mm -hmm. so, so, so that, that really kind of sets the table for why this reserve, why now? And like a little sneak peek into kind of what's to come in 2021 and, and beyond. Um, we thought it'd be extra special. We looked at a lot of um, candidates, if you will, and we tried a bunch of different rums, and we, we, we looked at blending a couple, and uh, a bunch of different pathways that we, that we were going to take care of. But we actually ultimately decided that, you know, um, doing a single cask um, um, would be really impactful for the reason I just mentioned, right? Like the blend versus the kind of the single origin type story. I, mm -hmm. I, I use single origin from my um, from my old coffee days at Starbucks. Right. I was going to um, say that right. was, it, it yeah. reminds me of, of coffee, which makes sense yeah. given your your background from Starbucks. Yeah. That's that, that, that's exactly what it is. I kind I kind of interchange them sort of for, for some additional romance, but like the single origin piece. Um, <laughs> you know, from Trinidad, it's my homeland. It's where I'm born and raised. It's so integral to the story. It just felt like it felt right. It felt like the first reserve should be from Trinidad. Um, it should kind of stand on its own. It's a really, really exceptional rum. Uh, um, 17 years old, as, as, as I think you were kind of mentioning before. Mm -hmm. You know, um, we, we had four casks of it. Each one was sort of bottled individually. So you'd kind of, you kind of, you got a bottle that says, you know, cask two, bottle 64, whatever the case is, and kind of gives you a okay, pop. So the casks weren't all blended together. No, they weren't. No, they weren't. They okay. weren't. They're actually okay. bottled, bottled individually. Yeah, yeah. Cool. 
So uh, one thing I've heard you re- refer to a lot, um, n- not necessarily in this interview, but in other ones, is kind of the, the team at, at 10 to 1. And I know you, you mentioned your co-founder, Zach, earlier. Um, mm-hmm. You also have kind of a, a board of advisors. And mm-hmm. I, I heard you mention the importance of having them as uh, the, the phrase you used was having adults in the room as you, you know, <laughs> uh, build this company. Yeah, and yeah. you mentioned there's, there's some, I think, former executives from Diageo, Beam Suntory, mm-hmm. uh, Starbucks as well. I, I think mm-hmm. I remember that. And yep, yep. I'm interested in with that kind of team in place, um, what kind of decisions have you been able to make early on? Or maybe a, a better way of phrasing it is what are, are there any specific problems you've been able to avoid that most new companies, mo- most new spirits brands aren't able to, you know, because you have that high level of, of guidance involved and uh, in having those adults in the room, as you put it? Yeah, yeah, totally. You know, and I, I, I love you guys. I always say like adults in the room or, or adult supervision. You know, which which makes a difference. <laughs> right. Um, I was I, I was doing another podcast a few a few months ago, by the way, and I, I um at some point kind of referred to myself as a as a young guy, just kind of like off the cuff. You know, like you know, a young guy building a business, and and and, and the guy I was talking to was awesome. Just kind of raised an eyebrow because he's like, wait, do you still call yourself young? I'm like, well, shit, like you know, I'm, 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 I'm I mean, I'm 38, so I guess I guess I guess not really. You know, like my, my parents think I'm. No, like, I I need you. I need you to call your yourself young because i'm th- i'm 32 so i'm creeping up behind you and i i want to still keep using that so we'll go with we'll go with young guy uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm young and i'm older than you mark so you're young all right so, so we're there good. you go so we're young. there you have it everybody 38 years old is officially considered young i'll tell you bro like yep. th- 32 to th- 32 to 38 creeps up on you fast so um, i know i know man <laughs> it does. So, it's, yeah so 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 yes i still think of myself as like a young precocious entrepreneur trying to make make some make some stuff happen and, and yeah those guys have been incredible you know i um we didn't talk too much about sort of my pre 10 to one background, but I had a start um, before 10 to one. I was an executive at Starbucks for three years. And before that, right. I actually had another startup in the sports and media space. And, and, and um, you used the word earlier. You asked me if, if it's a lonely journey. And I said, no, this is not a lonely journey. I actually know what a lonely journey is like with my first startup. It was a lonely journey. It was very uh. it was a, a cha- a challenging business, pushing a boulder uphill. Very cool, very cool company that we created, but it was just, it was, it was it was hard and it was it was lonely right that, that's when when you say lonely that gets conjured in my mind plus there was less rum along the way less rum along the way you know and, and so it's not like, <laughs> let me tell you something if you're the guy if you're the founder of a rum company you get invited to everything right everybody just knows you're gonna bring a bottle <laughs> of rum right you know my, my, my right. popular my popularity is soaring <laughs> even if my even if my uh, my rum stock is being depleted you know so um, um but no like 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 one thing I promised myself that I would do if I ever started another company, and it was a big if, but 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 it became when, um, was that I would really sort of out of the gate try to surround myself with as many sort of um, um, fine minds, yes, but mm-hmm. also tremendous advocates for the business and for the brand, and and that's really what we yeah. have with our with our board. Like they 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 they're all exceptional, to be honest, right? Like they're actually mm-hmm. nothing short of it, and I mean that as people too, you know, like like like. Um, my board is not a board that you're going to put up as like a figurehead and say, oh, I have this dude. I, I don't know his last name. I can't call him. I, you know, I can't tell you the last right. time we had a conversation. Like, we talk all the time, you know, and, and they've been really valuable. And you, you are sort of like what it's allowed us to do. Maybe it's maybe it's some of the things that it's allowed us to not do that have almost been more <laughs> yeah, valuable, yeah. right? Uh-huh. Like, let me, um, hey, hey, young 38-year-old guy, let me give you the benefit <laughs> of some, some hindsight and some perspective here. Let me send you back to the drawing board to maybe rethink 
And it could be anything, right? It could be something as tactical as how many new markets we're launching, or it could be as, mm. as spiritual as how we're telling the story of the brand. You know, I'm thinking a lot about sort of Rob, who's, who's ex Azure, and we talk a lot about sort of um, leading with some of the credential of the brand, right? Like, like really mm. kind of like the core facets of like why the product is an excellent product. And then you can, you know, build the storytelling and the, and the creative juice around it. I, I'm obviously big on the storytelling stuff with the things like the run reimagined and the challenge expectations and, you know, I, you know, Caribbean made and all of that stuff. So, so, mm-hmm. so it's been a really amazing mix, an amazing soup of kind of very tactical, roll up your sleeves, you know, how do you go to market, right? Like where do you deploy resources? Yeah. Where do you spend time and money um, to some of just the more like strategic or creative elements uh, um, of things as well, you know? Um, even, you, you know, you mentioned somebody on the board who's ex-Starbucks, uh, Sharon Rothstein, who's, who was my boss at Starbucks. She was our, our CMO and I worked, I worked with her. Um, you know, she's, I mean, obviously she's, she's had an uh, incredible career, you know, building some of the mm-hmm. most iconic brands in the world. So she's great from that perspective, but she's also great from a people perspective. You know, it's, it's actually nice to have someone, you should, you should have someone who actually understands you on a fundamental level, right? Who knows how, mm-hmm. how you think about the, not, not just the business, but think about the world, think about building a team, thinking about interacting with others and like having a great sounding board for that type of thing, I think is extraordinarily helpful too. So, you know, I could ramble on and on about how amazing they've been, but no, I think we, <laughs> we, we, we owe a lot of gratitude to that, to that, to that little motley crew. Yeah. Along with your, your professional background and putting together that team, I know there's been a lot written about your uh, incredibly impressive and diverse educational experience as well. Um, I, I My day job, I work for a higher education institution as well. So education is dear to me. Um, and I, I can see clearly how graduating from MIT with a chemical engineering degree is relevant and an MBA from Harvard is entirely relevant and ad- advantageous to what you're doing now. Yeah, yeah. I know you, you also graduated with a master's in philosophy in technology policy from Cambridge University. Mm-hmm. Um, it's less clear to me, both A, what that is, yep. and B, how you apply that education and experience into your current efforts. And I was hoping you could share that with us. Well, listen, if it's not, you know, it's, it's not, it's not clear to you, it's not clear to me either. I want to <laughs> <laughs> tell you, you know, like it's a, it's, a, it's a mouthful. It's a lot of stuff. No, like, like, um, so, so, so technology policy was, it, it's think of like, um, like a, like a public policy degree that's focused on like, the, the world of science and technology. That, that's, that's really what it was, right? So, you yeah. know, we look at things like, like, like the opening up of the, the, the electricity market in the UK in the 1980s and things like that. Um, I, um, uh, just a secret between the three of us, but I, I mean, I'm a huge sports fan. I played a ton of sports in high school and then also in college. I actually, part of my reason for going back to Cambridge to do that master's was really just like another one-year boondoggle. I went and played basketball for Cambridge for a year. Ah, um, nice. No way. We, yeah, 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 yeah. Cool. We, we, we beat Oxford. I just got to make sure I mention that because anybody out there... There you go. You know, Your life is complete. Life, you know, listen, man, that was it. You know, the, the mountaintop. And it's, been, it's been a long and slow decline since then. But um, yeah, that was, that, was, that was part of the reason for the, the Cambridge stuff. And, and also my twin sister, by the way, who's also my best friend, but she studied at Cambridge as well. So it gave us a chance to spend a couple of years hanging out together too so um yeah lots of lots of lots of reasons that are kind of hidden in there um yeah and 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 and, and yeah you know the, the you know that, that that educational thing does come up i guess a little bit from time to time in in, in these <laughs> in, in these things and um so i just kind of blush a little bit but no the, the the combination of those experiences i think has been has been pretty 
uh, I think has been tremendously helpful, right? I mean, you look at like my experience at MIT, I mean, yeah, you're not, I actually never was a practicing chemical engineer, but like you study engineering gives you a very strong analytical grounding, right? And that, that right. really never leaves you, you know? Yeah. My first job in management consulting at Bain, like, like they actually hire a lot of engineers because like, you know, you're good at like thinking, problem solving, mm-hmm. you know, d- dimensionalizing. Methodical. Yeah. yeah dimensionalizing a problem and certainly if you have a startup like ours i mean you're dimensionalizing shit all day right like i mean that's kind of yeah. <laughs> that's kind of part and parcel of what you need to do so i think that grounding was helpful i mean certainly the, the the mba was was great as well you know timing really matters and you know i went to harvard in 2008 um you know anybody who's who's our age will kind of remember what a what a tough year or a couple of years that was and i think yeah um, um a lot of folks normally would go to hbs thinking that they're on their way to becoming, you know, an investment bank or a hedge fund mogul or whatever, found that they weren't those kinds of opportunities. And so our class, the graduating, the graduating class of 2010 has a lot of entrepreneurs in that class, right? People who kind mm. of said, I'm going to go, I'm going to go like, like forge my own path and kind of write my own story, not to be super cliche mm. about it, you know? So, so a lot of it actually is, is, is even cohort driven. And so it's nice to have a pair group of friends and they're some of my best friends in the world, right? Who are all, you know, actually, there are probably many of them are further along, much further along in the journey than I am. And so having that sounding board or that frame of reference as you kind of build a business is certainly really helpful, too. Um, so, yeah, they've all contributed, I think, in pretty unique ways to how I, you know, think about the business and think about the brand going forward. Yeah. And not to get too off topic, but since you brought up being a huge sports fan and a basketball fan, as well as a player as well, mm-hmm. um, I happen to have, I don't know if you saw it earlier, but on my wall is not only a basketball player, but a basketball player who grew up in the Caribbean as well. Uh, Tim, Duncan Tim Duncan is on my <laughs> wall because the San Antonio Spurs are my favorite team. So oh, that's um, yeah, there you go. So um, to, to, to bring things back on mm-hmm. topic, um, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I, I saw you give a talk a month or two back about launching a brand and adapting in crisis. Um, mm-hmm. You know, talk about and you, you talked about uh, graduating from Harvard Business School in 2010, coming out of the financial crisis. Now you're launching a business uh, right before 2020 and this being your first year. Um, but you touched on two kind of big questions 10 to 1 had to face in 2020. One was related to the pandemic, and the other question was really in response to the reckoning the country has had with racial injustice, inequality Mm -hmm. this year. And the question, as you put it, was how do we find our voice and speak on social justice as a Black-owned brand? Mm -hmm. Um, And I was thinking about this even more, you know, when, when I was asking you earlier about if you felt like there were kindred, if you had kindred spirits. And, mm-hmm. you know, when you were talking about, you know, your background, it was, I was, you know, thinking ahead to this question already in terms of, you know, there are so few black owned brands in spirits and in rum, uh, especially. Um, so uh, can you give us a sense of sort of what actions that question led you to take and how it's impacted the way you think about 10 to 1 as a company and, and you know, what, what you do with all that going forward? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's a, it's a great question. You know, um, uh, it, it's really, you know, it's really critical to me. I, again, uh, let me let me let me kind of start at the end and say that mm-hmm. uh, what, what does success look like for me in, with this business? I mean, yeah, mm-hmm. I want to have an exceptional product. I want people to enjoy drinking it. Uh, I want to sell tons of cases. So so go buy the rum, whatever, whatever. But like ultimately, like like for me, success is 
people, you know, five years from now, seven years from now, whenever it is, you can, you, you, you'll see somebody point to that bottle and say, oh yeah, like 10 to one, those guys. Yeah. They changed the way that we thought about X, right? Like kind of fill in the mm. blanks from there, right? Like run reimagine isn't a tagline, right? It, it really is kind of a, it's, it's, it's a principle. It's an ethos. I want you to actually not, not just reimagine rum, but like, you know, broader culture, Caribbean culture, like what do those things kind of mean to you? And so, and yeah. so, and so mm-hmm. that to me has to be very core to like the principles of the brand as you establish them from, from day one, you know? Um, and so come, coming back to sort of the, the crucibles of 2020 and all the, the civil rights reckonings around us, you, you're right. There, there aren't many of us out there. And by us, I mean, yeah, like, you know, you're, you're a, yes, I'm born in Trinidad, but my entire adult life has been here, right? Like, like, mm. like, like I'm a young black man who has experienced, you know, many of the things that I think people are, are on the platform talking about today. And so mm. like, you know, you, you, in my view, it actually is quite clear and I'm lucky to have a very supportive team in that vein. It just says like, it's not even, it's more than a right, it's a responsibility to actually stand up and sort of say something and figure out how you can lend your voice to that cause, right? Mm-hmm. Whether that's through sharing your own unique experiences or providing a platform um, for others, which we've done on, on, on a number of occasions to date, um, or figuring out how we can sort of weave some of that into, again, even just into sort of like the, the, the ethos of the brand, right? Like, like you mentioned some of the figures who we typically will showcase and celebrate and yeah. whatnot as part of yeah. one. All of those things to me are really kind of part of that desire to yes lend a voice to that cause you know there's this whole and i think it's very interesting building a brand in 2020 versus maybe 2010 and 2000 etc etc where you know you, you know you, you always say these arguments about like like um uh, i remember it was the presidential election i think like eight years ago with, with mitt romney and there was a whole debate about like our corporations people right right yeah yeah i remember became, that, like, huh? a, late, a late night tv show punchline and like you know all over the press and stuff and like you know you know he got panned a lot for for, for the context in which he said that because it's more it was more economic in its nature i think but like yeah. but 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 for me a brand like ours, damn right, this business is a person. It's people. Like, it has a soul. Like, we have a point of view. Like, we have to stand up and say stuff. So, so no, you can't ask me to dissociate my perspective from the brand that mm. I'm creating. And by the way, if there's mm. anything about that that you dislike or you disagree with, then, I mean, I mean, listen, by all means, feel free to, you know, go, go, um, go drink something else. And I, I say that not at all in a combative way, right? Like, I'm a very sort of optimistic person by tone. And again, we're sort of all about the big tent principle, but I think part of that has to be, you know, being willing to stand up for the things that you believe in. And again, supporting those who might, who might need your help. And so, yeah, 10 to one has people behind it. Obviously I'm, I'm the the principal person as the founder of the brand, but you know, there's, there's eight, nine, 10 of us who are all kind of like um, marching to a similar beat and making sure that Mm -hmm. that is core to how we show up as a brand every day. I think it's it's interesting because so often I, I think people get a, kind of a little bit jaded to the idea. They hear terms like brand story and stuff like that, and they just immediately think that it's inauthentic. Um, and sometimes, you know, there's good reason for that because they've seen brands that are inauthentic. But right. it's mm-hmm. really exciting to see more. I feel like we're seeing more brands that have a truly genuine story. Like, you know, you're coming on this podcast and like, as you said, someone can ask like any detail about the brand and like, there's, there's a reason behind it that's tied to something meaningful uh, to, to you or your identity, culture. 
Um, so I hope that's, you know, what list, the impression listeners have listening to this is, is just, you know, how much intention has gone into this. And um, I think it's, it's really setting you up to be unique and, and do some very interesting stuff in ROM in the, in the coming years. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I really appreciate that. Well, so thank you. Thank you for saying it. And yeah, you know, I mean, um, you, you can't guarantee success in life with these things, but I, but I do think that like, you know, telling a story as sort of earnestly and, 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 and sort of objectively as you possibly can, you know, hopefully goes a long way in kind of conjuring that sense of loyalty and appreciation from consumers whenever they, whenever they come across the brand. So yeah, I appreciate you. I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah. So Mark, we've uh, run the gamut here in this interview. Um, we've talked about basketball. We've talked about, uh, <laughs> we've talked about uh, Trinidadian history, uh, rum, obviously. Uh, rum categorizations. Rum yeah, categorizations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, a, a tradition we have on this podcast, uh, thanks to John, is a uh, rapid fire question segment at the end of every episode, which is optional. Mm-hmm. Um, if you are up for it, that's how we would love to end this podcast. And uh, yeah. if, 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 if that sounds like a fun thing to you, I'll let John tell you more about that now. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm signing up for the challenge, man. Let's do it. <laughs> Excellent. So uh, the rapid fire segment is essentially we put one minute on the clock mm-hmm. and we're going to ask a series of short, usually either this or that or very short answer questions. And for you to get to as many as you can within that one minute. Okay. Um, so some of them are are, are meant to be uh, rum related and serious. Maybe a few might be a little silly, but uh, we try to play it up and have fun with it so we can uh, show the personality. And uh, it's been a fun episode already so far. So I have a feeling I'm gonna like this. <laughs> and, and knowing knowing the knowing now that you are an uh, an athlete, Mark, I have a feeling that you're gonna crush this. Well, I was about to say I'm I'm very competitive. So I, I hope <laughs> I'm not setting myself up for like failure. Like let's let's, 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 let's end this thing on a high. But I'm ready to go. Let's do it. All right. Uh, I have a minute on the clock. So, uh, John, whenever you're ready. All right. Neat or on the rocks? Rocks. Column, pot, or blend? Oh, blend. Come on. <laughs> All right. Is the four digit code to unlock your phone the numbers 10 to 1? <laughs> it's not, but it should be. <laughs> I, I feel like that's a huge missed opportunity it's there. A huge, huh? It's a huge miss. A huge miss on the brand. Huge miss on the brand. <laughs> All right. Favorite person to share a bottle of rum with? Uh, damn, that's a tough one. Uh, yeah. Probably my dad. Okay. Best secret off menu drink to order at Starbucks? Ooh, secret <laughs> off menu. Um,. Well, I mean, it was it was the unicorn. It was the unicorn for a hot second. Right. Maybe that's it. Yeah. A- anything with rum in it. <laughs> yeah, if they have some hiding in the back. That's a naughty barista. That's right. All right. Favorite rum not made in the Caribbean. Ooh, um, Zacapa. MIT, Cambridge, or Harvard? Who has the best on-campus pub? Oh, Cambridge. All right. Is there a chance that ten to one will ever attempt to make a ten Caribbean country blend? No. Generally, people drink coffee in the morning and rum in the evening. At what hour of the day does one stop drinking coffee and start drinking rum? Mm, I'd say 10 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> Favorite rum cocktail? Rum old fashioned. And that's time. All right. Uh, how'd I do that? Oh, well, yeah. You, you did great. You that did was great. excellent. The only one I didn't get to was, did you have any super twin powers with your twin sister? Well, you know, and, and the answer is, yeah, we, at least we think so. <laughs> <laughs> that would have, have been the answer. We think so. Excellent. <laughs> well, thank you very much, Mark. That was fun. And uh, the whole interview was fun and enlightening. And we really appreciate you coming on. Yeah. And I'd, I'd encourage people to check out the 10 to 1 website. Um, obviously, we'll have a link to that in the show notes. Um, really well put together website. Uh, lots of information about the products. Um, and you guys make it 
pretty easy, I think, to mm-hmm. order, um, which which I'm, I'm guessing may have something to do with your prior experience. I, I If I'm remembering correctly, I think you were involved with e-commerce at Starbucks. Is that right? Yep. Yep, exactly. Ran e-commerce for Starbucks. So I, and I know I have, I have a couple of little tricks there. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Well, yeah, again, just to echo what John said, Mark, thanks so much uh, for coming on. And uh, I, I really look forward to, to watching 10 to 1 and uh, where it goes from here. Yes. Yeah. Thanks so much, guys. Such a pleasure to, to chat with both of you guys. Appreciate the time. And thanks for letting me share a little bit of the story. Um, I, I, let me know when we're doing the, the basketball round two of the podcast and I'll be back on to make it happen. I thought we were going to record it during the Trinidad Festival when we come down there. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. We can do it during Carnival. Let's, let's kill two birds. We'll do a post-Christmas. We'll break down all the Christmas Day games. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. We'll, yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll yeah. do that. Like that. Like that sounds that. great. Like that. Awesome. All right. Thanks, thanks so much, Mark. All righty. All right. Talk to you soon. All right, everyone. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Rumcast. Thank you to Mark Farrell, 10 to 1 Rum. Check out their website. It's in the show notes along with links to anything else we discussed during the episode. As always, we would really appreciate it if you leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It's always good to hear your thoughts on the podcast. And when you rate and review it, it helps other people find it, which we really appreciate. Uh, John, anything to add before we go? Uh, only thing is we're really looking forward to the next uh, episode. Uh, Will and I are going to do a year in review episode yes. uh, for us and very excited about figuring out what that looks like. And so we're doing our homework on it and uh, getting some categories together, maybe to talk about some things that we experienced this year and how just generally speaking, what's been going on in the rum world and how we can kind of talk about that and look back at it to see what happens. So if there are any uh, categories that uh, you all might think of that you would want to hear us talk about in terms of uh, exploring the, this 2020 year. Um, it's the only time we're going to look back on it. <laughs> uh, shoot, shoot us uh, an email, host at rumcast.com or uh, get us on uh, social media, Facebook or uh, Instagram. We look forward to doing it. Thank you.